Jung thought of the self as a four-dimensional entity that, that extended across time and space. That was the totality of you. It's the absence of consciousness that is creating terminal crisis. The ultimate reality, not God in a politically kingly sense, but God in the sense of being the self. We are the ones we have been waiting for. Our world needs us now. Hello and welcome to the Connect and Evolve podcast. My name is Ben Holt and it is an honor to introduce you to some of the greatest health and wellness experts, artists, spiritual teachers, and innovators of our time. The intention of this podcast is to provide you with the necessary tools and understanding to create a beautiful life full of empowerment, abundance, and sovereignty for you and your loved ones. Through conscious conversations and guided experiences, we will be expanding to new horizons and discovering what it means to be fully expressed. So thank you so much for being here. And without further ado, let's dive in. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's your boy, Ben Holtz. Such an honor to have you here. And I feel really blessed to be able to share this conversation with you between myself and uh, a bit of an idol of mine, to be honest. But before we do that, let's drop into our sponsors. We are brought to you by Sacred Embodiment Retreats. We host five to five to ten retreats per year in beautiful Sedona, Arizona, where we focus on really deeply embodying exactly who it is we are choosing to be. Right, and we do this through many different modalities, such as yoga, asana, breath work, qigong, forgiveness, manifestation, gratitude practices, connection exercises. At a time whenever we've been separated for the past couple of years, you know, we're coming together in such a powerful way. And our retreats are really just a, a statement, a testament to that, where we come together hand in hand, heart to heart, shoulder to shoulder, and we connect with our local brothers and sisters, our, our like-minded, like-hearted brothers and sisters, and do it in a beautiful, beautiful place. And go on beautiful vortex hikes where we go and experience the magic and the medicine of Sedona. We have an incredible in-house chef who cooks gourmet, delicious, organic, healthy, amazing food, world-class food. And we do this all with the intention of lifting our frequencies as individuals and therefore the collective frequency of the collective <laughs> of the world. And it's just been absolutely beautiful. You can check out testimonials, information, all the things at connectandevolve.com forward slash retreats. And just let me know that you found the retreats from the podcast and I will give you a sweet little discount. Looking forward to hearing from you guys and talking to you and going deeper into how we can better serve you at Sacred Embodiment Retreats. We are also brought to you by Awakened Breath Breathwork Facilitator Trainings. And breathwork has become the new yoga in many ways, but breathwork is really intended for being an additional tool in your tool belt. Whether you practice yoga, qigong, meditation, even EFT, NLP, all these different modalities, breathwork is just an incredible additional tool for you personally to utilize in order to be more connected, more grounded, more vibrant, more vital, more free 
emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. And if you're a facilitator of any kind, yoga teacher, retreat host, a coach, you got to understand breathwork is a tool that is pretty much non-negotiable at this point. You need to know how to share breathwork with the world and the power of the breath with the world. So if becoming a breathwork facilitator is something you've been called to, then I invite you to come join us for a six-week online, yet partial online, partial in-person, because there is such a tribal essence, there is such a family vibe to this training. It's six weeks long. We start July 15th, and we're going to be diving into the foundations of breathwork, learning high-level techniques such as relaxing techniques, activating techniques, freedom techniques. This is like three breathwork trainings in one where we learn pranayama techniques, we learn Wim Hof style techniques, and we also learn transformational holotropic shamanic breathwork techniques. And these are all derived from every breathwork technique that I've experienced, I've studied under, that I've learned. I've created my own, and they're really just in a, com a combination of all the different techniques that I've learned over the years. And we've got about 50 students right now worldwide, and they are thriving, and we have so many opportunities that are lining up for those students. And so if you want to become a certified breathwork specialist, breathwork facilitator, then I invite you. Go to connectandevolve.com forward slash breathwork training and learn more. Schedule a call with me. We'll hop on a phone call. We'll see how we can best serve you. And I look forward to hearing from you in the near future. All right, everybody. Today, my guest is just a legend. This guy is amazing. I first found his films back in 2010, 2011. His film, Chimatica, totally revolutionized the way I think and the way I feel about reality. And I remember just red pilling all my friends with this film and just blowing their mind and so it's been a long time coming to have a conversation with this guy and uh, i just love him he's an awesome guy and uh, a new friend so please give it up oh yeah also has a great name <laughs> please give it up for mr benjamin stewart brother ben thank you so much for being here my man such an honor man excited for this one Awesome, brother. So I'd love to initially just drop in with a backstory on how how you got started with all this, making films, being a musician, everything that's led you up to where you are now. The backstory. It's, it's always like, where do you start? Right. Um, <clears throat> so let, let me start from day one. It was a dark, dreary day back on January 14th, 1983. Um, and I was born, and that was that was the first problem. Then it's just all downhill from there. <laughs> Fast forward, I, I'm an army brat, so my, my parents were in the military. I moved all the time. I, I got very used to, you know, moving from the, the northwest to the southeast to Kwajalein and the Marshall Islands, um, where there's a matriarchal shamanic society, very, very small, but still there, mm. to Hawaii. <clears throat> where I experienced a lot of racism towards the Howleys, uh, mm -hmm. you know, me and my brother. That's eventually why we left there. And um was always really into music. I always found myself um, air guitaring and singing into plastic microphones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I got really into sports and movement, but then um, I just had this hard left turn at one point where I decided I was just going to go um, – start playing music i started playing drums i started playing acoustic guitar i started singing 
And my parents, like, they always like encouraged me to do whatever I wanted, but they would like, they would give me shit. They would say like, don't quit your day job, Ben, whenever they'd hear me singing. Mm -hmm. So I always, I never took that to heart. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. So I got into a band. We were uh, called Bad Fish. It was kind of like sublime and chili peppers type music. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had this freak out as I was exiting high school that if I'm an artist for the rest of my life, I'm going to, I'm going to have to keep making such amazing art that people want to buy it or else I'm going to live in a cardboard box. So I had this freak out and I went into the military, followed in the footsteps of my dad and every male in my family, all the way back to the revolutionary war, apparently. And, um, and then while I was in the military, I got into this band called Hyrosonic. You can still find our last album up on Spotify and um, being in the military, I wasn't allowed to really talk about the state of the world and stuff like that. Plus, I was, you know, kind of just like a dipshit artist. You know, I like I was smart enough to know what the lyrics of Rage Against the Machine meant, but I didn't really know how to put it in the context. So by the time I got out of the military, people were asking, like, you know, please tell us, like, what, you know, what's your what's your philosophy? What's your deeper understanding? What, why are you, you know, singing these lyrics? So I decided to make a film and it turned into Esoteric Agenda. I thought it was going to be about the band, had nothing to do with the band. It was two hours long um, and it was all about what I saw going on in the world. And uh, by the end of it, when I realized, what am I going to do with this? Put it up online. And people were like, you know, finish this film. I was putting it up in 15 minute increments and they were like, finish this film and we'll, uh, I'll buy a thousand copies. And I was thinking, hmm, if I if I finish this film like it is right now, it'll just be a conspiracy flick. And that's not what I'm into. I actually, to be perfectly honest, like, you know, as much as I talk about it from time to time, it's, it's not my number one jam to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I decided, okay, I need to put a twist ending to show people, to empower people, to show people what human potential is and how powerful one human is. Mm. And, um, and I did that. I put that ending on it. And I think that's really what set me off on a filmmaking path because a lot of people hit me up and said, I never cared to look at any of these scary topics um, until this film because you, you didn't just leave me hanging saying, you know, you know, the sky is falling, you know, good luck. You, you actually introduced me back to myself and had me thinking about, you know, as you tore down my vision of what the world really is, um, you, you built up this vision of who I really am. So they were like, can you make another film exactly like the last 15 minutes of Esoteric Agenda? And I was like, all right. So I made the film Chimatica, which is far more about collective consciousness, who right. we are, you know, what is self. And, um, and that really just, that kept me on the filmmaking path, which I never thought. I never set out to do that, really. I, I was just, I was eventually just working on films so I could make music videos for my band. But um, my band, you know, the music industry is really hard to crack into and make money. Like you can do it and have fun, but, you know, you want to do it and make money. Um, there's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of um, sacrifices of yourself and your time and family. You can kiss that goodbye if you want a girlfriend that likes seeing you more than a couple months out of the year. So the film career took off. And um, that was when I began really just diving deeper into, okay, you know, this, this isn't just a career. This is, I have the 
ability now to make films about topics that I'm really into. And then I get feedback, you know, sometimes it's not fun to get trolled, but you know, you get feedback from people online and it kind of refines your uh, discernment of what's going on in the world. For sure. So, so I kind of feel like where I'm at now, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, I'm a musician, but um, I really utilize the internet and being a pseudo influencer in order to be in the school of life. I speak mm -hmm. my thoughts out there. I give my art and I get critique and I, I really do take it to heart. That was the hardest part about it was I don't just say, you know, like if somebody doesn't like my film and they're rude about it, like F off, you know, if they have no good points, then yeah. But if they're actually like striking a nerve, then I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, this is something I should actually look at. So that's kind of where, what landed me where I'm at today. And as you can see, these are two films. This is Awake in the Darkness that I just did with Aubrey Marcus. Right. About, uh, he did Seven Days in Darkness, Pitch Black Darkness. And here's Psychedelica up here that I did with Gaia.com. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I kind of span a wide variety of topics in the films that I make, but uh, for the most part, they all kind of revolve around what's the higher potential of a human being? What is consciousness? What is mm -hmm. self? And, um, yeah, uh, have we been lied to? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And it's been very revealing for the past couple of years that that last question there, have we been lied to? Um, just a complete unveiling of, of what's really going on behind the veil. And, um, it's, it's just catapulted. I feel, I believe that it's catapulted our consciousness and humanity's capacity and humanity's real reason for being here to a level that we may have never even thought possible in our lifetimes. So it's been really epic to watch your, your work really kind of play out almost and all these other visionaries and all these other, um, you know, art artists that work in the esoteric realms to watch it all just kind of completely unravel and blossom into reality. So it's been epic, man. And, you know, I, I was telling you earlier, <clears throat> Chimatica was my favorite my favorite film to just throw on, put my buddy on a couch or like two or three buddies on a couch, maybe smoke a joint or something back then. And then just turn on Chimatica and just watch their jaws hit the floor with all the information that was in there. And I just, every time I watched it, I would pull something new and she'd be like, Jesus Christ, whoever Benjamin Stewart is, this dude is a gangster. Thank you so much for making this film. And, uh, and now we're here talking. So <clears throat> I'd love to, um, ask you the question man you know i know you were telling me the 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 film that you did before inspired chimatica but what really what was that process like in creating chimatica because it's so it's so dense with information but it's very elegantly portrayed it's very well delivered um so what was that process like i mean it had to have been as a filmmaker myself i've made a couple of films uh, it, it can be just the most tedious, demanding process possibly imaginable. Um, so I'm curious, what was that process creating Chimatica like? Yeah, well, first, thank you for calling me a gangster. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> been called one before, but that's that's pretty awesome. In the best um, of ways. <clears throat> in the best of ways, for sure. Um, Chimatica, so both Esoteric and Agenda, uh, Esoteric Agenda and Chimatica were very... Um, interesting processes because I didn't question a thing. I didn't mm -hmm. think of what it was going to turn into. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a plan. I didn't script anything out. I mm -hmm. didn't work on development and pre-production. I just started putting words 
to an editing software and putting images on top of it. And it was mm-hmm. stream of consciousness. Both films took just about exactly six months to make. Mm-hmm. So I, I cranked them out in six months. I sat in front of the computer, became, you know, pale and, you know, pasty white. I wasn't getting any sun. Right. Um, and I was in a trance the entire time. Wow. Um, and, you know, this, this wasn't induced by anything other than a mind blown. My mind was blown by what I was researching. Right. So, you know, I didn't overthink the process was, I, w- I would say, the number one. I had this, you know, this voice telling me, go, like, make this, make this. But it didn't explain what this was. I just knew, just just start speaking, start editing, start putting stuff together. Just go. Yeah. And, um, you know, so the, um, the interesting thing is, is a lot of people were, um, hitting me up and was just like, man, you must've been researching this stuff for like years before making this film. And I said, actually, my research started when I decided to make the film. Wow. Like when my mind was blown by, by previous films that I'd seen, I, I just trusted my intuition and I just spent all my time online, you know, so I was, and this was back in the day when you could find more, um, more stuff on Google, more stuff on YouTube and Google sure. videos than you can today. So <clears throat> I was listening to lectures from morning to night, constantly just filling, filling, filling. And I'm sure there was a lot of stuff that I didn't retain, but I retained everything that I needed to. And, you know, this was back during web, this is the start of web two for, or no, this was the beginning, you know, maybe the middle of uh, web two. Mm -hmm. So, but a lot of what I was doing was finding hyperlinks. I would like research something and I would find something else. Like in Wikipedia, you have this other link that you can click on. You're like, I want to go deeper down that. So click on that. That would lead me into territories that I, I never expected, but it's not like I did, you know, five terabytes of, uh, you know, research and I only used one, I basically, everything I researched, I put in those films, you know, it's kind of why it was super dense, but I was doing things like, you know, at first I was talking about um, magic and the, you know, the, the use of um, wars and large events on specific, uh, specific dates under specific astrological signs. Right. Um, that have to do with pagan holidays. And all of a sudden I would like click on a link and it would be this um, guy talking about maritime admiralty law. And I'm like, I just didn't question it. I was like, okay, this is, this is very off topic, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go there. And I would start learning about that. And I'm like, oh my God, it started putting the pieces together for me. So a lot of it, I can't take credit for the, the process of it was intuitive but mm-hmm. I, it's also in that respect, like, was I being communicated to, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, th- they seemed like my thoughts and a lot of it seemed like, you know, just by chance, I would click on this link and I would click on that link. But at the end of the day, the way that it just turned itself into a cohesive story in a film, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I, I, I wish I had some kind of formula that I understood from that. But really, the the best formula that I could understand from it was when you feel like you know you must do something, yeah. remove all the obstacles, like right. all your self-sabotaging, like, I don't know if I can, or what if I waste all this time? And then, you know, time is money. And I just, I didn't question a thing. I just started putting it together. And um, 
yeah, you know, I was going into debt at the time, but I, again, I just, I, I, I didn't even question whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. Right. So, I mean, that's my best understanding and recollection of making Chimatica an esoteric agenda. Wow, man. Uh, yeah, I, I wish was you had. listening to a lot of beautiful music at the time. Ah, okay. I would listen to beautiful music in the background while editing. And then I would, I would like, you know, put mm-hmm. that in the track. So, so let me just say that. I spent more time focusing on how the soundtrack and the sound of my voice fit than I did on the visuals. Right, right. Yeah, no, the, the information is, is pure. Like you could just listen to Chimatica as an audiobook or something, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's all you really need to do <laughs> to have your mind blown. And uh, I, I wish you had that formula as a filmmaker as well on a PDF that I, that I can read <laughs> through and, and uh, create my own. Um, but yeah, it, it fascinates me how the best art is created through just flow state, you know, yes. and, and without having any attachment to what it's going to do, what it's going to provide, what it's going to create. And I, I catch myself as an artist going there, right? Like, oh, well, people really like to listen to this. Well, who cares, right? You weren't thinking about that when you were making Chimatica or people really like to watch this. Um, and, and yeah, just what a testament to all artists all over the world. Just make your art and uh, the right people will find it. Um, fascinating, brother. So there are some questions that I, I want to ask you. Um, they're big questions. And so do I have permission to ask you these big questions? You can go into any territory you want, man. Amazing. So I feel I'm like they're, they're, they're going to open a lot of books for us to go through as well. Um, the first one is, what is life and why is it important? Hmm. Why are we here, I guess you could ask, and why is it important? Um, first thing I will say, I will give you an answer, but the first thing I will say is I have notions, mm-hmm. but you know, answers, solid answers. Uh, I'll, I'll be up front. I have, I have none of them. Right. I have notions that, and I don't think the answers are actually what we're looking for. You right. know, we don't need a solid fixed answer. Um, we, we actually perform better with unpredictable future than we do with a predictable future. Exactly. And, um, what I would say is this is a school, Mm. you know, we are here to learn. I was actually just on a podcast yesterday where, um, I I was basically some people were just, uh, talking about technology and this one guy was like, you know, I know a lot of my friends that are just like F all technology. I want to live in the woods. I want to have chickens. I want to blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, like I share those sentiments, Sure. but I don't know if, if life is really all about us living out our desires, you know, because a lot of the times, and, and then I was challenged. He was like, you know, well, what, what's wrong with being happy? What's wrong with living out our desires? And I said, there's nothing wrong with it, but mm. to assume that living our desires is the point of life cuts you off from everything else. If you right. assume that life is a school, and even if yesterday seems exactly the same as today, today is teaching you something different than yesterday. That just mm-hmm. means you have to listen. You know, have you ever had somebody put on a CD and then put you put the same song on on vinyl and be like, "Do you hear the difference?" And a lot of people are like, "No, nah, I don't." They sound exactly the same, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, "Listen, listen." I think that's. A lot of what life is doing, we, we call a lot of things monotonous, but really it, it only speaks to the quality of our attention. So mm-hmm. I think life is a school. We're here to learn. 
And Mm -hmm. yes, happiness is a beautiful aspect of life. Um, Our desires and living out our desires are great teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that also pain is a great teacher. Mm -hmm. I think fear is a great teacher. And I think a lot of the times people feel like there's only one thing you can do with fear. And I'm like, no, you can leverage fear. Mm -hmm. You know, in the same way that, you know, people, I have a good friend who was saying, you know, I love doing my art, but when somebody says, hey, can you distill this down and and make it more practical or something? And I, I get all this anxiety, like I don't know what to do. And, you know, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And I, I'll just say like, well, instead of feeling like anxiety is wrong, have you ever asked the question, what is this preparing me for? Just like you turn around, you're on the road and you turn around to see you're five seconds away from getting hit by a bus. Adrenaline courses through your veins. Mm-hmm. That adrenaline, a lot of people say, well, it's, it's so taxing on the nervous system. And it's like, okay, so in that moment, do you want to sit down and talk about your feelings? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to use that adrenaline to get the hell out of the way? and then process your feelings. Mm. And what I'm saying about that is a lot of people, they let fear control them and they never leverage it. They never realize that fear is a fuel. Of course, you don't want to sit in fear. Of course, you don't want to sit in adrenaline. It's there to move you quickly. And then you can complete the process of whatever you're supposed to learn from that. Like look both ways before crossing the road. Or when it comes to conspiracy, you know, like, Maybe some people aren't supposed to go that far down the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe all that fear is telling you is like, uh, all right, you know, you don't have to now just tuck tail and run. But what you can do is like, give it a break for a while, integrate. And it's the same thing with plant medicines. A lot of people yeah. are like, you know, I want to be the most awake out of anyone who's ever been awake. And it's just like, do you take any time to be sober and integrate? Mm-hmm. Like you got a lot of lessons from those plant medicines, I'm sure. But, you know, like if you keep eating and you never digest, you're going to explode. Right. And, and these are the very same metaphors and analogies that go with, you know, information or whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I guess like, that's the best I could say about what life is. I, I believe mm-hmm. it's a school. And I think Socrates probably said it best is um, maybe it was Plato. If you believe everything and nothing simultaneously, then you you won't block or resist any part of reality, um, nor will you invest yourself too deeply into it, and life becomes too serious. So mm-hmm. you're just you're following that middle path, and um, you know if something sounds wacky to you, you don't just be like, I don't believe it, I resist that. You're sure. like, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe is good enough. I don't have to st- you know stand on a yes or stand on a no. Yeah. So life's Absolutely. a school. Absolutely. As we call it in retreats, the earth university, right? Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that I've learned, you know, through, through my personal awakening and then being from Louisiana, having very traditional family through my awakening, you know, what I was being taught, right? Quote unquote taught my whole life uh, as a child into young adulthood was, you know, you do this, this, and this, and you can come into the kingdom of heaven. You know, you believe that Jesus is God, you come into the kingdom of heaven. And when I realized what the kingdom of heaven was on an experiential level and every cell in my body, right, I went back to tell my parents and, and thinking that they would just totally open up and receive this beautiful information and this gift. And I quickly learned that not everybody's curriculum is the same, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's here to learn different things. Everybody's on their own unique journey. And the only way for us to really, as, as 
facilitators, creators, artists, the only way to really call in our tribe, those who are also taking the same classes, right, at Earth University is to create, is to do, is to build it, and they will come. Um, and so that that's totally on point with what I've experienced in my life, bro. So uh, super solid. And another thing that I, I feel like life is, in addition to school, is is a game, right? Like we're here to play this game of life. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a very advanced multidimensional virtual reality game, right? You know, almost like a, a game of Sims. And I feel like right now, and I'm sure you'd agree, we're kind of at this boss level of this game, right? We're, <laughs> we're, we've reached the, the, the giant castle where Bowser is, is awaiting us, right? And, and Bowser is, you know, the government, COVID, whatever you want to, whatever your Bowser is, everybody's different. Um, but it's a very interesting time. And I, I, you know, and I'm sure you've agree with, you agree with this. I feel like there's been this there was this very large awakening that took place um, years ago, but primarily around 2019, I feel like the light switches on so many people just got, got turned on. And I mean, what perfect timing, right? And now we've kind of experienced whether it's, whether it's destiny, whether it's part of the game, right? Part of the schooling or the polarity of that has, has been this, this cycle that we're going through, uh, or not so much a cycle, but this phase, this chapter that we're going through. So I'm curious on your opinion, um, on, you know, what we're going through right now as a collective is obviously very radical, right? You know, we, now they're on the news talking about food shortages and COVID and masks forever. And, and, and there's so much going on vax cards. A lot of our, our, our simple freedoms are kind of being just totally dissolved. And a lot of people's fear is that that'll never come back. And so a question that I've been asking myself and the universe is, is this the polarity of the great awakening that's happening? Or was the great awakening something that was designed to prepare us for this time? Uh, A lot of people think it's 2020 to 2027 based on law of one materials, uh, which feels right to me. Um, so I'm curious as to your thoughts, back to the question is, is this a polarity of the great awakening or is the great awakening something to prepare us for this time? Um, <clears throat> you know, that's really interesting. Cause like what exactly is the great awakening right. other than, you know, um, and, and I say this respectfully also, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a story. All things mm-hmm. are stories. You know, everything we get from the internet is part of a story that we're also uh, weaving we're, we're, we're a part of this. And by the way, we are hardwired for story. We're not hardwired for fact or data, right? Um, all data, the inner philosopher always starts weaving it into a story. It's just the way that we are. So when it comes to this great awakening, I definitely believe an awakening is happening mm-hmm. in the same way. I don't believe we have enough, um, so let's say, you know, if the world were on ayahuasca right now, right we don't have enough guides. We don't have enough, you know, shamans. We don't, we don't have enough people that understand that really what needs to be happening right now is a lot more holding space for the sometimes ugly process that people just have to go through, you know, before we get to collective harmony, we have to go through some shit and it happens on plant medicine. It, It happens, um, you know, in, in anything that rocks your world to the core 
first there's a there's a dying of the old there has to be you know mm-hmm. we can't we can't let the old live and still keep giving birth to the new mm-hmm. so you know what i what i kind of see is happening is a lot of people are there's also this idea of of, a, of an awakening is like a binary thing. There's a sleep and there's an awake, and right. that all all being awake is the same across the board. But I may wake up grumpy, and you may wake up jolly. Right. It's not you know, true, and right? we're we're both awake. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think that's what I see more or less is happening around the world. Is people are awakening, but they're awakening into specific myopic perspectives, which is right. a human thing. We, we all have our own myopic perspective. The point is to broaden that perspective and then also realize that everything you believe, it doesn't have to be true. Right. This is, I think people get hung up on this, this thing that like what you believe has to be true. Like I invent perspectives that benefit my life all right. the time. Right. You know, like one is I could stand in front of the sink and do dishes complaining about how I always have to stand in front of the sink and do dishes, or I always have to clean up after my kids. You know, that's, that's a perspective and it's true. I do. I always have to clean up after my kids, but what if I invent the perspective that this is for a reason? I can't prove mm-hmm. that, you know, you try and get me to scientifically prove that this is all for a reason. I mm-hmm. couldn't, mm-hmm. but if I say this is all for a reason, and there's a clue inside all of these hardships that I have to perform that is something that my soul needs. So my soul needs these hardships. And in that, if I don't gripe, but I actually go through a gratitude list and I just do my work, my life will become better. And then guess what? My life actually gets better. Keeping mm-hmm. a gratitude journal has been found to lower inflammation around the heart. Mm-hmm. Not even gratitude itself lowers inflammation. Just keeping and engaging with the gratitude journal right. lowers inflammation around the heart. So like we, we invent these things. We're allowed to invent it. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times we get so stuck in this science will tell you what reality is. Mm-hmm. We're not hardwired for fact. We're hardwired for story, like I said. Right. And, you know, when it comes to... <clears throat> When it comes to what can we become, not give, give me the concrete facts of who I am. No, screw that. I don't, I don't want your science and your data to, to like put me in a box because all your data screams, this is the most that humans can do. Right. Um, I'd rather invent it. And most people would say, well, that, that's lies. That's trickery. That's not reality. And, and I would say, then why is it possible? Why are people creative? How, how and why can we invent realities that aren't real and then convince people of it and then start massive movements? Mm-hmm. You know, propaganda is a thing. Every country since mm-hmm. time immemorial has used that with great efficacy. So I think what the, the real awakening is, <clears throat> we'll know it when we see it and it will be a collective art revolution. It won't be by force. It will be, art doesn't, force you to believe it's not saying like what's two plus two you better say five right (laughs) it's it's not doing that art circumvents all of our red flags and if it resonates it resonates right and we're talking frequency again and i think the the future of medicine and the future of entertainment and a lot of things are moving towards frequency what resonates resonates and why do 
you know, I, I don't even get into arguments sometimes when people like disagree with a view that I have on the world. I, I typically, I try and find like, okay, this person wants to debate to see if there's some external concrete factual reality that we can both agree on. Right. I would rather us disagree on what reality is and produce harmony anyway. Right. That's, that's what an artist does. Think of Stuart right. Copeland and Sting. They didn't like one another at all, but right. they made music that neither one of them could have produced on their own. Same for right. Pink Floyd. David Gilmore, Roger Waters did not like one another. They Great produced example. music together. Despite all their differences, they produced harmony. That is an analogy of what I know humans are capable of. We can invent the solution that does not yet exist that every scientist would say, impossible. Our science doesn't prove that that's possible. Well, guess what? We can. We can invent the way through this. And that's why a lot of people are, you know, when you get hung up on thinking that what you're getting from the internet is either false or true, you're just you you think that you're just the, here to discern reality no you're here to engage and and also invent reality with us right. i think we are all the creators and when artists wake up Ed, that would be better than any standing army right artists waking right. up and creating a collective art revolution and that revolution will be televised cuz it'll be so fucking cool because it'll imagine. be artists filming it. <laughs> right? It'll be art, artists filming it. And like the yeah. point of art is to resonate. Yeah. So if it, if it hits you and like, you know how music, it, like if it's good and it resonates, it makes your body want to move. Mm -hmm. Where's the scientific explanation for that? Right. Goosebumps, right? you name it. Yeah. Where, where's the explanation for that? Like mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't care to explain it when you're feeling it, when you're moved by it. It's a higher phenomena. Just like singing is a is a higher informational language than just speaking mm -hmm. most times. So, you know, that's that's what I think the Great Awakening will truly be. If there is mm -hmm. one awakening coming, w one thing that I'm calling for is people to use their voice. You You were put here with a voice, and that's not just your voice box. That means everything that you express and you do, all your art, the way you behave, the way you treat your children – um, the way you treat other people, the way you treat people that you even believed were your enemies. Mm -hmm. We are here to show that there is a way through this that would blow most people's minds. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm fully convinced that that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. We're not here to just survive and, and stay away from death and bad decisions. You mm -hmm. know, there's a reason, and I'll, I'll end with this, mm -hmm. the flow state. Flow state is brought on Primarily, one of the best triggers for the flow state is by reaching outside your comfort level. So if you're going to jump from one tree to the next or something like that, like 4% beyond your comfort level, not, at, not 50, not you know 0.2%, but 4% is like that sweet spot where there's danger. That's a little bit of danger because it's beyond your comfort zone. So you are in, intentionally introducing danger but at a very specific interval mm -hmm. that allows for the flow state to be um to come about which i believe mm -hmm. is a higher elevated form of play right and so with that it's like a recipe mm -hmm. if, if you have like a beautiful dish and you put 50 percent salt in it like that's going to ruin the dish but if you put you know, and maybe salt is wrong because I don't know about 4% with salt in a dish, but right. you, you put a little bit of a spice in it 
and it it perfects the recipe. But if you were to just have that spice on its own, it would burn the hell out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So I think what most people, we don't realize that we're stuck on these extremes. It either has to be this way or it has to be that way. I would say invent the bridge between the two of them because we're artists and because we can. I love that, brother. It's in what, what you're referring to, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would call it the edge, right? Pushing to that edge and kind of walking on that, that tight edge, right? Or um, I love riding, riding my motorcycle out in Sedona, my dual sport. And there's moments where I'm just in so, it's, it, you're in such a flow state because you have to be. There's cactuses to your left, there's sheer cliff to your right. And you have to be fully aligned or playing music, right? Getting lost mm-hmm. in the sauce and music. Um, much less, uh, you know, risk for error uh, or margin for error there. Um, but I, I love what you're referring to. For me, it, it, it provokes this idea that collectively through the pandemic, through this, this unveiling, right? This, this apocalypse, which just refers to the unveiling, we are collectively on this edge which is allowing us to collectively find our flow state. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that we are collectively on this edge and many people are letting the fear take the steering wheel. Right. Um, They're they're not engaging with it. They're not waking up to that. Like everything that seems like an enemy or a boogeyman that's coming to get you all these Mm -hmm. things that seem to be conspiring against you they're stuck in this i'm smaller than the problem right but so no the problem real wants you to think it, well yeah and you know in a sense it's also perfectly designed because sure. at the end of the day you create that reality you know you tell yourself you're smaller than the problem mm-hmm. guess what's going to manifest and for right. an artist you know stepping outside that edge the, the worst you're going to do is screw up you know, the, you know, the stakes aren't super high. Um, if you're playing a live show, yeah, you know, the stakes are higher, right. but I would say, yes, we're definitely on that edge. And, um, let's, let, you know, just, just for the example of the globe, right? The, mm-hmm. Here's the earth. And then you ever seen that, like the atmosphere mm-hmm. would be like a layer of paint on a basketball. Mm-hmm. That's how thick the atmosphere is. You mm-hmm. could, let's just say that's 4%. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest is, is 96% when really it's, it's probably smaller than 4%, mm-hmm. but let's just say that there's so much diversity and so much information and rich opportunity and possibility in that tiny sliver, far more than would be housed through the rest of the 96%. Because if, if I'm using this as an analogy, that rest of the 96% is what's already known to you. Right. right. So like it's your comfort zone. It's already known to you. And if you repeat those behaviors, it's safe. It might be fun, right? You keep, you know, and, and I'm not saying repeating behaviors is, is not good. I, you know, discipline, meditation, taking mm-hmm. walks in the evening might be familiar. I'm not saying we should always be going out and pushing that edge, but, but at times we must destabilize what is stable. We must. Right. And so I say that word because to destabilize, we're tapping into the 96% of information in that 4%, right? right? And there's only 4% of information left in the 96% of our comfort zone. Mm. So when I say the word destabilize, 
it just seems like people like, yeah, you know, that's not good. We go into countries and we destabilize them. It's like, well, you know, like that's one specific instance of like, what is our intention behind the destabilization? Right. But you go to an ayahuasca ceremony because you're, you're feeling bored and stuck and you have writer's block and your marriage is stuck and everything is stuck in life Mm -hmm. and you want something to get unstuck. So what do you do? You destabilize your default mode. Literally, psychedelics destabilize the default mode network in the brain. It's a bunch of brain regions that communicate with one another when you're just reminiscing. It's using a lot of your energy, and you're just reminiscing. Like, I wonder what John over there is thinking, or I wonder if Mm -hmm. I should have said that to Becky over there, and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, you destabilize the default mode network, and what happens is a flood of novelty, new information, new things to turn over. And naturally, a lot of what people's emotional states turn into is this is too fast of an acceleration. I don't mm-hmm. like it. It's accelerating too fast. And they're not even afraid of what's happening. They're afraid of what might happen if it keeps accelerating at that rate. Right. So also what destabilizes is breath work. Sure. Breathwork destabilizes the default mode. Meditation does it. Getting hit in the head with a baseball. And I'm not suggesting any one of these. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is right now in history, there's a destabilization effect happening. Right. People's minds, they're either having to double down on the lie that they told themselves or wake up from the lie. Right. And what I'm saying is the lie was not the problem to begin with. The lie was the lesson. Mm. Right. You know, the lie was the lesson. We are here to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. If everything were just plain and simple on the face of it, there would be nothing to learn and grow from. Mm. So we, yes, we're living in illusion, but unless we have gratitude for it, we're going to call it a boogeyman and not a teacher. Right. The destabilizing events in world history, pandemics, um, you know, like false flags, whatever it might be. We need to first have reverence for them. Yeah. And, and reverence comes from the Latin word reverie, to stand in awe of. Mm-hmm. We must have reverence for these events. You don't like, if you think COVID is a false flag, have reverence for it. If you think yeah. it's perfectly normal on the face of it and all the, all the news streams are, are giving you the facts, still have reverence for it. But if you are interested and you want to know the truth, because a lot of people, they don't, they want safety. Let's just be mm-hmm. honest. Most mm-hmm. people, they're happy in the herd and mm-hmm. they're happy with safety. They will parrot lines that they don't believe mm-hmm. because it, it makes them feel like they're included in the herd. We mm-hmm. also should not talk trash on those people right? because they serve a very important function. They hold conventional reality together. I know a lot of people are like, dude, I'm tired of this conventional reality. Mm. I would hazard to say you're tired with a small sliver of conventional reality. But if all conventional reality went out the window, you'd be begging for it to come back. Of course. Yeah. And also, I had somebody today, I was just posting on Josh Fox's Instagram page um, about the, the Will Smith smacking uh, Chris Rock across the oh, face. Yeah. The notorious I, smack heard across the world. I was just like, you know hey, does anyone think that the smack looked kind of rehearsed? And somebody said, Ben, you think everything's a conspiracy. And I said, that's not exactly true, but I get where you're going with it. <laughs> and I said, you can test that hypothesis anytime. Like, let's, let's have yeah. a conversation. And he said, I'm not going to waste my energy. And mm. I just said, good on you. 
I could have said that's the exact excuse I hear out of anyone who's never done any research, but they want to hold the belief right. that it's not true. Right. But I knew in my heart that this person has to hold that line. He doesn't even know why, but he has to hold that line right. in the same way that I have to hold the line of the conspiracy. Because right. if you think, what, what, what was my job or the conspiracy theorist's job in the tribe? Mm-hmm. What was the paranoid person's job in the tribe? The one who's always vigilant, always looking for danger. What was, what was their job? What do you think? Keep the trap safe. They were the lookout. Right. They were on the periphery. They were always looking out. And mm-hmm. guess what? Maybe when they're all hanging out and that, that lookout guy is hanging out, they're, they're sitting there talking about all the shit that could go wrong. And everyone's like, oh, man, you're such a downer. Mm-hmm. You love this downer because mm-hmm. you're not dead. Mm-hmm. You- Hey, brother, can you hear me? Yep. Oh, shit. Uh, Cool. We uh, have some gnarly weather here, so it just cut out, but cool. Picked it back up, but I I lost you right there at dead. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, Dead. Uh, Yeah, this, uh, you're the scout, basically the lookout and the reason why you're not dead. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, in the tribe, you love that lookout. You mm-hmm. love that role. You appreciate that role, mm-hmm. but your conscious mind can only capture whatever, a, a, a small percentage of reality. So you, sometimes it's hard for you to have gratitude for those things that might irritate your stability. It might destabilize what you call my happy you know, routine in life. Mm-hmm. But again, those crisis moments, like the crisis moment we're having in the world right now, or the crisis moment of somebody saying, I don't think we're safe, like a conspiracy theorist or the lookout. If we were to leverage that feeling we get when we hear it, Mm -hmm. instead of being like, I'm going to double down on the illusion, or that I believe it, and I'm going to turn into chicken little as well. I don't Mm -hmm. think we need to turn the entire world into conspiracy believers. I, I definitely don't believe that's it. And in fact, I think conspiracy has a very valuable place, but it's not everywhere. Right. That place is not everywhere. Right. So, you know, for me, I I find that my role specifically in the world right now is when I was talking about this stuff in 2008 and 2009, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know, like, I I knew why I was doing it, but I couldn't wrap words around it. And Mm -hmm. then I started getting kind of lost in the, you know, I'm sick and tired of talking about this stuff. Yeah, And then I just went on talking about psychedelics and frequency and yada, yada, yada. And then 2020 hits. And I'm like, oh, you know what? A lot of people are going to be waking up now and they need help. Right. And exactly. I'm not here to wake new people up that don't want to be woken up. I'm, I'm just here to help those who are naturally waking up to, man, I've been lied to and now I feel scared. And I have right. no one to talk to because my parents are telling me I'm paranoid. All my friends are telling me I'm a nut job. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm scared because I actually believe it. Yeah. And if they wake up to realize, oh, I'm the scout, 
You know, I'm, I'm the watcher on the wall in Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. you know, terminology. I'm here to help guide these people into realizing the, the world is not ending, it's changing. Yeah. You know, yes, there's a death and there's a birth coming. And we do, uh, humanity survives this. And it's not going to happen exactly like you think when you're in fear mode, nor is it going to happen exactly like you think when you think everything's peachy. It's going to be this gradient in between. And your job is not to wake the world up. It's not to go at every party when people are trying to tell dick and fart jokes and you're sitting there talking about building seven and nine eleven. Like it's, it's not your, you realize like their eyes are rolling. You realize that they're just like, I want to get the hell out of this conversation because it doesn't belong everywhere. So, you know, we we're supposed to be here for one another, but I think there's a language that we, we use when we're using direct to on the nose language. People don't like that. They don't like being told what reality is. They like in a movie, they, it's, you know, Somebody doesn't come in and slam a beer down on the table and look angrily at their wife and then yell, I'm mad, right? It's obvious you're mad. Take that line out. It's obvious if it's delivered well. So in reality, people want to discover. They want to go on the quest, which is based on a question. They want to go on the quest of life. They don't want to have some know-it-all over here. I told you, I told you, this is what reality is and here's what you got to do. It's about harmony. We're here to make music with one another. And I mean that literally and figuratively. We're here to make music. We're here to take our differences and turn them into music, not fight over it. Your skin looks different. Your beliefs look different. I'm in this clique. I hate you guys, right? You know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's what the media seems to be pushing. Right. And I think the media has its place. I think, again, a lot of the lies being pushed through the media it has its place. It's here to really like, if that's God whispering to you, God's whispering, how well are you paying attention? And how much do you want to buy the lie because you're afraid of looking at the truth? All of that stuff is implied in life. And we're looking for external institutions or people to blame. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't, I don't feel right about life because of Bill Gates and because of Fauci and because of Trump and because of Biden. It's just Mm -hmm. like, brother, your diet probably sucks and you're not breathing well. Right. Like that's probably why you don't feel good inside yourself. Blame the most obvious stuff first, not the the thing that you read on the news this morning. So that's that's my take on that. I think there is an awakening, but we need to play it like musicians, um, not like scientists and fact checkers. Finding harmony. Yeah. Love it. Let's all get together and create a beautiful chord. Um, so one final question for you, brother. In the school of life at Earth University, um, we're here to learn, we're here to grow, we're here to expand. And I love your philosophy on this. And it sounds like you are, correct me if I'm wrong, but very optimistic about it all. Yes. Um, So my question to you, do you believe that the overall foundation of life, whether it's a game, a school, you name it, uh, do you believe that it is overall benevolent or if it, or do you believe that it's, it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have a priority in being benevolent or, or a preference. Yeah. Preference. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a, that's a really good question because um, there, there's two ways I want to answer this. One is semantically 
we can't really drive to a concrete fixed meaning of any word. Right. So if I say, yes, it's benevolent because I believe there is intelligence guiding this. I don't believe it's unintelligent. Um, I believe that what we experience as our own intelligence is, is also just a gradient of intelligence that is all around us. And we are this mechanism, a tuner and a receiver that's able to pick up on that. We're able to play with it. We are artists of that intelligence. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but with that being said, like benevolence, you know, let's say a horse is caught in some barbed wire. Mm-hmm. And it's freaked out by humans Mm -hmm. and the humans are trying to help. They're benevolent. They're trying Mm -hmm. to get the horse unstuck. Otherwise the horse will die. It's a benevolent action, but the horse doesn't see it that way. The horse thinks it's being attacked. So it, it, it fights, it fights and it's hurting itself thinking it's Mm -hmm. being hurt because these humans are, are getting closer and closer. It's hard to say what benevolence really is. Right. Right. Humanity can get wiped out. And if, if one human's left for like, you know, two weeks to ponder philosophically over what happened with that human's individual desires and, and thought processes, they may think like, this is not a benevolent world. It doesn't right. care a, a fig about me. Right. But how do you, how do you really classify? Is it benevolent or not? Like what yeah. if, our consciousness does live on and humanity needs to get wiped out in order for, you know, life to start bouncing back, you know, and, and that's just one example. It may not even be the best example, but what I would say is I believe that when, when we try to think is the world benevolent is, is reality Mm -hmm. benevolent. The real question we should be asking about ourselves. Am I benevolent? Right. Because if you can find benevolence within you, there's no place where self is not, right? right. Like you are not, not a part of myself. Right. We just haven't discovered it. I, I have language and ways to understand how all of this stuff inside my skin is self, right? But I believe that myself extends out into the environment in ways that I don't know yet, but I'm here to relate to all of life and you and nature in order to understand that this is, this too is a part of self because the environment changes. I change, right? You affect the oceans, all the marine life that they would just call that their environment. It changes them on a genetic level, it changes their health, everything. We are our environment. We just don't see it as self because when I make a decision, I only know how to move my arms. I don't yet know how to move that pen over there. Mm-hmm. So benevolence is, there is such a thing. And I do believe that it exists. Um, there's also animosity. There is vengeance. All those things do exist. Um, I think we're tuning forks and we're meant to strike up that frequency that we know the world needs more of. So, I mean, like, I know that may be kind of dodging the question, but I think like reframing it to say that the only way to answer what reality is, is through the self anyway. Right. So where is benevolence? Right. Check in with benevolence within, and you'll come to realize that benevolence 
exists when we play it, right. when, we, when we strike up the band in that right. respect. And, and it makes the reality around you innately benevolent, right? Yeah, somebody walks into a room with a shitty attitude, it's easy it. to get into that shitty attitude. Yeah. It's, and we are like tuning forks. You, you strike a tuning fork over here, this one over here is going to start resonating. Right. You know, it's just simple harmonics. So, you know, I think the deeper question is mm. how, how do we strike up that harmonic for those who are in different resonance? Yeah. How do we strike up that, harmo- uh, that <clears throat> harmonic for those who are stuck in the rabbit hole or they're stuck over here trying to, to place blame on this group or on that group? Right. Benevolence. Yeah, it's, it's a very good word, you know, and we all, we all have access to it. Um, I, I would say, yes, the world has its benevolence and is, um, I, I can't wait to hear that song a little bit louder. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, brother. Um, and referring back to, you know, it, it's the story that we tell, truly. And if our story resonates with someone else and helps them out of that hole, this is what you referred to earlier as well as is showing up to hold space, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of our duty, you know, our job, especially you and I and other creators, artists, leaders, facilitators to do our best to harmonize ourselves so that we are that frequency, right? And we do create that harmony, right? If I'm at this beautiful 432 hertz C and you meet me at that beautiful 432 hertz E, you know, that magic comes together. And for people who aren't familiar with, with music theory, this is a, a, note, uh, a chord, almost a chord. One, one more note would make it a chord, but it's what we're creating. And I love, I love, love your philosophy on this and how you create that metaphor with music um, is wonderful, especially for me as a musician. I'm totally going to use that. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Please spread it. Yeah, man. And, and just to kind of finalize this question, I think to kind of reframe the question a little bit is, is, you know, are we guided by a higher power, almost like, you know, this, this parental figure uh, that is actually ourselves, but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, you know, this, this parental figure of, of the oversoul of all of us, right, guiding us home. Do you feel that it's more in, in, in we're more living in this, that reality or more in the reality of it's an algorithm of this matrix, right? And when we resonate a certain frequency, we attract other frequencies. Um, or do you feel like it's kind of a combination of both? Yeah, the, I, I definitely would say that <clears throat> it would be closer to a combination of both. Gotcha. Um, I, I definitely believe that To say that there is that there's like a deeper conspirator, because I've even said before that there's there's only one conspirator, mm-hmm. and I do believe that is the self. And a, a lot of us claim the self. There's seven billion selves. You know, I I don't. We just we we haven't conceived. We haven't wrapped our mind around the inconceivability of what real self is. Right. And so the algorithm idea that you know the concept of working with it like a formula there is that reality as well nested within 
this reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that, well, I'll, I'll just say that Selen Atasoy from Imperial College London, she showed this brain imaging called um, connectome brain harmonics. And she applied the Laplin equation to the brain and found that the brain washes through almost like you, have you ever seen an octopus wash through all these different colors, like an LCD screen? Yeah, totally. Well, that's how it looks when you're visualizing the brain like this, it's washing through different symphonies. And Selen was saying like your brain has these, like, it's not just when you have like, you're in alpha, it's not just your whole brain is, is vibrating at alpha frequency. Right. It's that certain regions are, and certain regions are vibrating at different frequencies. Right. And that's connectome brain harmonics. And she found that because this, your brain operates more like a symphony than it does a calculator. It's not there sitting doing equations. It's, it's not you know, math-based. It's more like a symphony. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of room and gradient within that. And it can morph and it can change. It's not digital and, and clicky and edgy. Right. Uh, um, it's more of a and, circle, not a square. Yeah. And <clears throat> she, she gave LSD to some of these mm-hmm. volunteers. And that made the symphony more complex. Sure. What she calls it is increased repertoire of the brain harmonics. And that allows potentially for far more access to um, harmonizing with the outside world because we're resonating with those frequencies. Our symphony is more complex. And now we have that entry or that bridge from external reality. Mm -hmm. So we can either cocoon ourselves off and live inside that comfort zone, or we can branch out. And LSD allows you to open those doors of perception. Mm -hmm. So I find that interesting because to answer your question, to get back on point, you know, the analogy that I would say between those two, you know, things that you said, I would say the, the analogy is perhaps you could say it's impersonal. It's just a symphony and we're along for the ride where, mm. you know, like we may have desires of self-preservation, but at the end of the day, if you're just here for a glimpse, you're just here for a glimpse, right? Mm. You know, and the the real work is gratitude, humility, and service. And really that, that gratitude helps you realize that, yeah, you may be in pain right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't be grateful for this. And you may not, you may be confused right now. So, you know, cymatics, there's like mm-hmm. a certain frequency or a, I'm sorry, there's a certain geometric pattern when mm-hmm. this frequency is pumped in. Mm-hmm. And then if you turn up the frequency before it turns into a more complex pattern, it goes through chaos. Yeah. That's confusion. A lot of people sit in this confusion and they think this is wrong. Mm. And they, they use the word wrong. This should not be. Mm. Reality should not have this. I should feel happy, right? You know, mm-hmm. I should feel, I shouldn't feel confused. But in a way, that's destabilizing and allowing for the old to deconstruct itself to make way for the new. Mm-hmm. So we have all these preferences on what life should be for us. And I think at the end of the day, if we can stay connected with, I have gratitude for the fact that I know I could die tomorrow and I, I at least got this glimpse, mm-hmm. this glimpse of life. I have humility knowing that I really don't know anything. And most of the things most people say they know they got from the internet and somebody else wrote it 
And like when you say you hate this world leader or that world leader, just at least acknowledge that you've never met that person. You probably didn't watch any of their own speeches. You're just letting other people spin a yarn around those people. And now you have hatred in your heart. Right. That's not humble. Yeah. And, and, and then so in being in service to others is to remind others, all of this could be taken from you. You think it's bad. It could get a lot worse. That is perhaps that is God's way or the reality's way of, you know, you, you have a chance here. You create it. You can be humble. You can have gratitude and you can live this life. No matter what's thrown at you, you are, are living in that space and you've made that good. You know, you've made it a benevolent life for you, despite what was thrown at you. Right. I think that's what we're here for. And that's why, like, in my work, I'm, I'm really just diving deeper into what does humility look like in a time like now? Mm-hmm. What does real um, service to others look like in a time like now? And when it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to the war in Ukraine, when it comes to the lies, when it comes to the technocratic overthrow, when it comes to the media, how can I have gratitude rather than finding all the shit I can bitch about? Right. Because I will be a better person for finding gratitude where others say it doesn't belong um, than if I just fall into the conventional narrative that it's wrong. And I say we're here to love when it's hardest. It's easy to love when it's easy. Right. You know, when everything's going great, it's easy to be in love. But when people are bothering you, when the world is bothering you, it's hard to be in love. Well, that's where the work, that's where the rubber meets the road. We're here to love those that it's most difficult to love. Doesn't mean agree. Doesn't mean agree. It doesn't mean support and send your donations to it. It simply means, can you love when it's difficult? Mm. Well said, brother. I I love this reference as well to, cymatics if any if anybody hasn't seen that i highly suggest going look it up on youtube because it's such a a powerful visual reference for exactly what we're collectively going through right now and what we're always going through right on a on a personal level um that change from one shape to the other is just total like you said chaos it just looks like random sand (laughs) all over Mm -hmm. the plate and then boom it shifts into this beautiful geometry um which we are all made of so i love that go look up cymatics guys and ben thank you so much for doing this brother it's such an honor to have you on i've been following your work for over a decade now so thank you bro for everything that you do and and your your message and what you have to share is so so palpable it's so beneficial to the world right now and so where can everybody go find you and and check out what you got going on in the near future yeah, well, first, thank you for that. And thank you for this platform for me to be able to speak. Um, BenJosephStewart.com. You go there, you'll find just about all my work. The only other place um, is YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and you type in Ben Stewart or Ben Joseph Stewart, you'll find that I have the Ben Stewart podcast. I have um, Waking Infinity News every single Monday. And then every Tuesday, I do a deeper dive, stuff that sometimes it's the stuff that I can't talk about on YouTube. And that's all over at Ben Joseph Stewart if you sign up and become a member. Um, but yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, BenJosephStewart.com are the places to find me. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. And everybody go check out Ben and, and follow his work. And 
obviously go watch Chimatica if you haven't seen it and red pill all your friends. <laughs> thank you, brother. Big blessings. Much love. Hey there, family, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then I invite you to go and leave a five-star review with some words of love and encouragement. I read each and every review, each and every comment, so you know that I'm going to feel that love in my heart and reflect it right back to you. Reviews are so important. They bring a big smile to my face. They motivate me and inspire me. So if you enjoyed the episode, please go let me know. And don't forget to go show our sponsors some love, guys. Our sponsors are amazing. They're amazing people with amazing products, amazing missions, and I love them. I buy every single product that sponsors this podcast, and I love each and every one of them. And I know you will, too. There's only one way to find out, so go check them out, guys. They're going to be incredible, super transformational, and it's just such a blessing to do this work in the beautiful Red Rocks of Sedona. So that's connectandevolve.com forward slash retreats. Also, we have our breathwork facilitator trainings happening all year long, and they're the six-week online powerhouse trainings where you learn how to share the power of the breath with the world and make a living doing it. We also have our quantum coaching and all the other healing offerings that we have there at connectandevolve.com. So go check it out, guys. In the meantime, I love you all. So, so much gratitude for each and every one of you. Remember that you are the light and that we are the keepers of the new earth. This is our time to shine, family. So go out there and thrive. Until next time, be blessed.